0: Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Introduction to the Devout Life by Francis de Sales. Part 1: Counsels and practices suitable for the soul's guidance from the first aspiration after a devout life to the point when it attains a confirmed resolution to follow the same. Chapter 1, What True Devotion Is. You aim at a devout life, dear child, because as a Christian you know that such devotion is most acceptable to God's divine majesty. But seeing that small errors lead people to commit in the beginning but seeing that small errors people are wont to commit in the beginning of any undertaking are apt to wax greater as they advance and to become irreparable at last, it is most important that you should thoroughly understand wherein lies the grace of true devotion. And that because while there are undoubtedly is such a true devotion, there are also many spurious and idle semblances thereof. And unless you know which is real, You may mistake and waste your energy in pursuing an empty, profitless shadow. Aurelius was wont to paint all his pictures with the features and expression of the women he loved. And even so, we all color devotion according to our own likings and dispositions. One man sets great value on fasting and believes himself to be leading a very devout life as long as he fasts rigorously. Although the while his heart is full of bitterness and while he will not moisten his lips with wine, perhaps not even with water in his great abstinence, he does not scruple to steep them in his neighbor's blood through slander and detraction. Another man reckons himself as devout because he repeats many prayers daily. Although at the same time, he does not refrain from any manner of angry, irritating, conceited or insulting speeches among his family and neighbors. This man freely opens his purse in almsgiving, but closes his heart to all gentle and forgiving feelings towards those who are opposed to him. While that one is ready enough to forgive his enemies, but will never pay his rightful debts, save under pressure. Meanwhile, all these people are conventionally called religious, but nevertheless, they are in no true sense, really devout. When Saul's servants sought to take David, Michael introduced them to suppose that the lifeless figure lying in his bed and covered with his garments was the man they sought. And in like manner, many people dress up in exterior with the visible acts expressive as earnest devotion. And the world supposes them to be really devout and spiritual minded. While all the meat time, they are mere lay figures, mere phantoms of devotion. But in fact, all true and living devotion presupposes the love of God. And indeed, it is neither more nor less than a very real love of God, though not always of the same kind. For that love, while shining on the soul we call grace, Which makes us acceptable to His divine majesty. When it strengthens us to do well, it is called charity. But when it attains its fullest perfection, in which it not only leads us to do well, but to act carefully, diligently, and promptly, then it's called devotion. The ostrich never flies, the hen rises with difficulty and achieves but a bright and rare flight. But the eagle, the dove, and the swallow, are continually on the wing and soar high. Even so sinners do not rise towards God for all their movements are earthly and earthbound. Well-meaning people who have not as yet attained a true devotion attempt a manner of flight by means of their good actions, but rarely, slowly and heavily while really devout people rise up to God frequently and with a swift and sworing, soaring wing. In short, devotion is simply a spiritual activity and liveliness by means of which divine love works in us and causes us to work briskly and lovingly. And just as charity leads us to a general practice of all God's commandments, so devotion leads us to practice them readily and diligently. And therefore, we cannot call him who neglects to observe all God's commandments, either good or devout. Because in order to be good, a man must be filled with love. And to be devout, he must further be very ready and apt to perform the deeds of love. And for as much as devotion consists in a high degree of real love, it not only makes us ready, active, and diligent in following all God's commands, but it also excites us to be ready and willing ready and loving and performing as many good works as possible. Even such as are not enjoined upon us, but are only matters of counsel or inspiration. Even as a man just recovering from illness walks only so far as he's obliged to go with a slow and weary step. So the converted sinner journeys along as far as God commands him but slowly and wearily until he attains a true spirit of devotion. And then like a sound man, he not only gets along, but he runs and leaps in the way of God's commands and hastens gladly along the paths of heavenly counsels and inspirations. The difference between love and devotion is just that which exists between fire and flame. Love being a spiritual fire, which becomes devotion. When it's fanned into a flame, and what devotion adds to the fire of love is that flame which makes it eager, energetic, and diligent, not merely in obeying God's commandments, but in fulfilling his divine counsels and inspirations. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So notice what Francis de Sales is doing for us. He's charting out the progress that we can make from being in a state of sin to being devout, having a devout life. And he makes a distinction between following the commandments of God, obeying the commandments, and fulfilling all his divine counsels and inspirations. Why does he do this? Because the Ten Commandments tell us the basic obligations of divine charity. If we want to love God, Jesus said, keep the commandments. Which commandments? The Ten Commandments, as he told the rich young man. So if we have divine love in us and our state of grace, then we keep them in serious matters. To break them in a serious manner would be to fall away out of state of sin, into a state of sin. But that state of keeping the commandments is not the same thing as what this book is leading us to. This book is leading us to a loving, prompt, energetic, diligent keeping of the commandments. So that when the chance comes to commit a mortal sin, we won't even want to. Well, we'll very quickly, we'll pass it by. And then what he's leading us now to is to following something more than just the commandments, the counsels, poverty, chastity, obedience, to want to put ourselves under the guidance of another, to want to live a life of chastity, to want that, to want to live a simple life, And then whatever inspirations the Lord sends to be able to follow them, this is what devotion gives us, like the flame of a fire. It's one thing to have a little fire. It's another for it to be dancing, to be energetic. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to soar high like a bird, like an eagle. He wants us to be energetic like a flame. And that's the devout life.